So inshallah ta'ala then we begin this uh, book called the book of marriage Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ala muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam As I said earlier this book of marriage is based upon a treatise for our Shaykh Muhammad bin Salih al-Uthaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala And he started this by first in the first chapter He began by first asserting the meaning of nikah, the meaning of marriage in Islam from the linguistic as well as from the legal aspect. Linguistically, the term nikah may take the meaning of the marriage contract itself and it also may mean the actual legal sexual intercourse which is known in Arabic as what this is from the linguistic aspect and from the legal aspect it means the contract between a man and a woman where each one of them intends to enjoy the other and establish a good family and a safe society at large this is the meaning of nikah from the linguistic angle and therefore it is easily deducted that the objective of nikah is not solely the enjoyment but rather there is another meaning and that is the establishment of the good family and safe societies but with respect to some individuals it may be that the intentions may be intense in one direction over the other depending on the condition of the individual the other point to be mentioned here is that the marriage is not just a civic contract but in fact it is a religious transaction that has its rulings in the Quran and Sunnah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in Surah An-Nisa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verse 3 then marry a woman as many as you please two or three or four so marriage is legalized in Islam because it establishes 
specific needs between man and woman the natural drive for sexual relationships but this is regulated in the way that secures the integrity the honor and provide a meaningful relationship that fulfills this aspect and transcends beyond it to the establishment of the family and the safe society at large and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated marriage for the preservation of human race being the only means for procreation or multiplication Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah 30 verse 21 and among his signs meaning Allah's signs is that he created mates for you from among yourselves that you may find comfort in them and has made love and mercy between you in that surely are signs for people who reflect so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stresses here that he created mates for you from among yourselves what? that you may find comfort in them and also made love and mercy between you these are the ingredients for this relationship and that's why Islam came to encourage the establishment of this legal relationship <coughs> the benefits of which are mutual on both it preserves chastity we know from the hadith of the Prophet where he encouraged the youth to get married he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith reported by Bukhari and Muslims and others ya ma'ashara al-shabab all young men whoever of you can afford it let him get married for marriage helps restrain the eyes meaning restrains from seeking illicit sexual relations and preserve chastity he added وسلم, and preserve chastity and he who cannot afford it let him observe fasting for fasting works as castration 
and it is from the way of the messengers it is from the sunan of the messengers so it is a matter asserted with respect to everyone who possesses the lust the sexual desire and who is capable of doing the marriage it is from the sunan of the mursaleen from the way of the messengers as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in surah al-rad in chapter 13 verse 38 وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا رُسُلًا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ أَزْوَاجًا وَذُرِّيَّةً and we have sent messengers before you O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ أَزْوَاجًا وَذُرِّيَّةً and made for them wives and offspring and our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is one of the messengers and he got married sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in fact we know from the story of the three men where three men came to the apartments of the Prophet ﷺ wives to ask about the mode of his worship when they were told about it they belittled it and said who are we compared to the Prophet ﷺ whom Allah forgave his past and future sins One of them said, As far as I am concerned, I will keep the night awake praying. The second said, I will observe fasting continuously. And the third said, I will abstain from women and will never marry them. And this is the point of evidence from this hadith. When the Prophet ﷺ came back, he was told about the statements of the three men. He said to them, Are you the people who said such and such? By Allah, I fear Allah more than anyone of you. Yet I observe fasting some days and some I do not. Meaning the optional fasting. And I pray during the night and sleep. And I marry woman. Therefore, who turns away from my sunnah, my way, he is not from me. And that's why the ulama, the learned scholars of Islam, said that marrying for the person who has the sexual drive is better than optional worship is better than optional worship because of the benefits and the outcome the praiseworthy outcomes of the marriage
and in some instances the marriage could be obligatory in some cases marriage could be obligatory for example in case there is a strong sexual drive and the person fears for himself from indulging in the unlawful relationship if he doesn't get married and in this case marriage therefore becomes binding obligatory so as to restrain the self from this direction and that's why in this light in the light of this statement or we can understand this from the saying of the Prophet ﷺ when he commanded the men, the young men all young men, whoever of you can afford it, let him get married for marriage helps restrain the eyes from seeking illicit sexual relations and preserve chastity it is from the good organization of Islam and its precision regarding the laws is that it had made or established conditions for contracts so as to regulate them properly and precisely and ensure execution of things and matters and continuity and therefore we know that any contract has its conditions where it cannot be fulfilled without them this in itself is evidence for the fine and precise tuning of the Islamic laws that it came from the one who is all acquainted, all wise who knows what's fitting for his creation and therefore ordains and decrees for them all that which is beneficial for them in their deen, in their religion as well as in their livelihood so that things don't turn chaotic without any boundaries or limitations and from these contracts is the contract of marriage and the contract of marriage has conditions first condition is the mutual consent the first condition is the mutual consent and this is the basic requirement of the marriage contact or contract is the consent of the couple and therefore it is invalid to force either couple, either one of them to marry that to marry when either one does not want the other 
قال الله تعالى الله سبحانه وتعالى said in سورة النساء chapter 4 verse 19 يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا يحل لكم أن ترثوا النساء كرها or who you believe you are forbidden to inherit women against their will and the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said لا تنكح الأيم حتى تستأمر ولا تنكح البكر حتى تستأذن the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said a matron الأيم is the woman who was separated from her husband because of death or divorce and a matron should not be given the Prophet ﷺ said in marriage except after consulting her and a virgin al-bikr a virgin should not be given in marriage except after her permission and here he the Prophet ﷺ was asked قالوا يا رسول الله O Messenger of Allah وكيف إذنها وكيف إذنها they said O Messenger of Allah how can we know her permission he ﷺ responded her silence meaning indicates her permission so the Prophet ﷺ here clearly forbade to marry a woman without her consent whether she was a bikr or ayyim however with respect to the matron she must profess her acceptance and the virgin suffice is her silence as indication of approval because she may be shy to utter it and if she refuses the marriage proposal then no one can force her against her will even if her father because the Prophet said وَالْبِكْرُ يَسْتَأْذِنُهَا أَبُوهَا and the virgin her father asks her for her permission and this hadith is reported in Muslim and there is no sin on the father if he doesn't get her married in case she refuses because she was she is the one who rejected rather he should preserve her 
and if two people propose for her and she said I want such and such and her guardian said rather take the other one she gets married to the one she chooses if he is a match for her however if he's not then in this case her guardian may prevent her if the person is not appropriate and suitable match and there is nothing upon him meaning he is not held to be blameworthy or sinful in this case so the guardian must seek her consent and therefore we know it is unlawful for him to give her in marriage against her will and any marriage contract that is conducted without her consent would be null and void a woman came to the Prophet and said my father forced me to marry his nephew the messenger of Allah gave her the choice of nullifying her marriage she said I have I have condoned what my father did but I want to teach women that fathers have no right to do so and Islam forbids the guardian to debar their female dependents from marrying the competent match or a competent match suitable match because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in surah al-Baqarah verse 2 chapter 2 verse 2 3 2 أن ينكحن أزواجهن إذا تراضوا بينهم بالمعروف Don't prevent them from marrying their husbands if they mutually reach lawful and reasonable terms Now the second condition The second condition is الولي The guardian the second condition is the wali and he is an adult the adult from and sane of course from her paternal relations like for example the father or his father meaning her paternal grandfather or the son or his sons his sons her father's sons their, then his sons then the uncles their sons then her father's uncles 
the full brother and the brother from the father's side there is no guardianship for the brothers from the mother's side nor for their sons nor the maternal uncles قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said لا نكاح إلا بولي in the hadith reported by Abu Dawood and the Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah no nikah contract would be valid without the consent of the bride's wali the guardian and also the hadith has another attachment to it and which will come to it later and two witnesses but since we are talking about the second condition now we take that point of evidence from there and that is the wali, the bride's wali, the guardian Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu said a woman is not to marry without the permission of her guardian or men of opinion in her family or a magistrate Ali may Allah be pleased with him said any woman who marries without the permission of her guardian her marriage is void no marriage is valid without the guardian's permission or a magistrate if a guardian rejects a competent match for no legitimate reason he would forfeit his right of guardianship to the judge who in turn made the marriage contract and this is of course injustice on the part of the guardian it is a must on his part to choose the competent and suitable appropriate match and if those proposing are more than one then he choose the best of them, the best match and if one comes only to her and he's a competent match and she accepts then it's a must upon him otherwise as we know from the hadith of the Prophet if this is not practiced then there could be a great evil he the Prophet said إذا خطب إليكم من ترضون دينه خلقه فزوجه when a man whose religious standard you are satisfied with proposes your daughter then give her to him in marriage if you don't meaning if you don't do so there would be tribulation, adversity on earth and a great evil and a great corruption and this signifies the great trust on the shoulder of the guardian for preserving her in this contract and he should not manipulate her 
for any personal desires or marry her to an unsuitable match for any worldly gain because this will be a matter of treason and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Anfal chapter 8 verse 27 O oh, who you believe do not betray Allah and his messenger and betray your trusts while you know and in Surah Al-Hajj chapter 22 verse 38 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Verily Allah likes not any treacherous in great to Allah And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Kullukum ra'in All of you is in charge وَكُلُّكُمْ مَسْؤُولٌ عَنْ رَعِيَتِهِ And all of you are in charge of those who are under your care and we have come to know now if he rejects a suitable match and a competent match for no legitimate reason then he this would forfeit the right of guardianship and therefore it will go to those who are the closest from the guardians and if not it will go to the judge inshallah in the we'll take you now short break wallahu ta'ala a'la wa a'lam wa sallallahu ala muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam alhamdulillah rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said إن الله فرض فرائض فلا تضيعوها وحد حدودا فلا تعتدوها الله سبحانه وتعالى had ordained certain matters ordainments so then don't abandon them and he set certain limitations so don't transgress them and from amongst his legal ordinances which Allah has set are the limits of nikah limits of marriage meaning permissible and impermissible since Allah had made it forbidden for a man to marry specific woman because of either a consanguinity meaning lineage or or rida fosterage or due to marriage and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbade marrying siblings whether the relationship as I said was due to lineage was due to suckling or relation by marriage and made it permanent 
for great purposes and great wisdom. We know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had set ties between people in order for them to experience mutual love and respect amongst others, amongst themselves. And the strongest of this of these ties is the ties of lineage or consanguinity. By virtue of lineage tie, the family members need to live and live together and mingle freely in the same places and this is needed for survival because survival requires the existence of this family unit had it been permissible to have marriage between family members to have it legal then jealousy and grudge would have caused grave results on them and grave effects on them a father would be jealous of his son for his wife or daughter and this could lead to mischief and to crime and eventually to the disintegration of the family and that's why we see now that marrying mothers is the most forbidden followed by marrying the daughter then the sisters then the maternal and paternal aunts and so forth add to that the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instilled in man's nature that which repels for from even thinking of desiring marrying to this woman also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted for human interrelations to take place bringing people together through love and kindness talking therefore about marriage relations and if a person marries it from a certain family he becomes as though he is one of their members over its members and in this case the mother of his wife will be to him like his mother in terms of respect and the daughter of his wife like his daughter and so the son's wife and so on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in surah 25 54 It is he who has created man from semen and made kinship through lineage and kindled by marriage and your Lord is ever all powerful to do what he will. As to the relation through the suckling which is called foster kinship And this is in itself is an impediment to marriage just as that of affinity and blood relationship.
and the breastfeedings that renders a baby a foster brother or foster sister to the children of his foster mother are five feedings during the first two years so the impediment takes a place with five feedings during the first two years after which the suckling infant would be considered a brother or a sister to the foster mother's children and a single breastfeeding what is a single breastfeeding? we said that the impediment should be five five feedings during the first two years what about a feeding? What, what is considered a feeding? a single breastfeeding is considered when the baby sucks the breast in one feeding sucks the breast in one feeding regardless if the feeding was interrupted by taking a breast changing the breast or the like all of this is considered a single feeding breastfeeding how is it confirmed? it is confirmed by the testimony of a trustworthy pious woman whether she is the foster mother of the person in question or someone else although the foster child would be considered as the foster mother's own child with respect to marriage meaning in this case the baby takes the status of her own children with regards to marriage that is he or she cannot marry any of her children also the permissibility of being in privacy with her and with her daughters or sons however this does not mean that she has to maintain the child nor inherit from him or her or vice versa and when an infant suckles a milk when an infant suckles the milk of a woman he becomes as her own child and she becomes as his mother and her sons and daughters as his brothers and sisters why? because they were fed by the same milk and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows this 